Hey guys, we're back again. Russell Robertson live. Oh! Out of Every week it just gets better and better and better, that intro. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome back to Robbo Live uh, for another week. It is, um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing uh, the last couple of weeks. I need to get back on the winner's list. Playing the Blues, a couple of ins, a couple of outs. I'm sure you've all seen them. G'day Barry, g'day Matthew, g'day Ruth. The usual suspects in the room. Yvonne, how are you? Say hi, everybody, if you're there. Let me know. How good was David Neitz last week? It was absolutely fantastic to hear from him. Great interview. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking forward to tonight's interview because, ooh, a bit of conjecture out there uh, with um, the, the choice factor. And, and I really want to address some of the comments that people have made. And we're going to talk about it uh, at the end of this because I have some comments I'd like to make Um in and around uh, what value uh, Brock McLean brought to the Melbourne Football Club. Absolute legend of a guy, uh, know him very, very well. Hello, Richard, Melinda, how are you? Sylvia is always here. Absolute legends. Keep your comments coming through. Um, I'm going to do my best to answer nearly everyone's questions. Louise is nervous about the Blues. I reckon they'd be super hungry after Caro's arrow directed at Cripps. Yeah, Cripps, he's copped it this week. But so have we in close quarters. And I'm pretty sure that our coach uh, wouldn't be happy with what uh, he's seen put up. Uh, we haven't kicked well for goal. We haven't delivered to our fours very well. We'll get into all of that together after our interview. Hello, Nikki. How are you? Um, good to hear from you all. This just feels like a great little family we have here. Every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Susie Glasgow, how are you? Uh, I'm not sure if you're catching some of the shows on um, uh, the podcast. Uh, you know, you can check it out on Spotify. You can find it, obviously, on the, the Facebook page. But if you don't have any of that, uh, direct people to, um, you know, Google Podcasts. It's on there as well. Um, we've been doing this for, well, it feels like a long time, two or three years. Uh, very intermittent though, but the lockdown years, we had some really sensational guests, some like Alan Jakovic, which was a highlight for me. Uh, a lot of my old mates, David Schwartz, Stephen Tingay, some really great interviews. So I want to direct you back uh, to the podcast if you want to have a listen to some of the good stuff as we led up to that unbelievable grand final win over in Perth. The, uh, I listened to some of them the other day and, and the chatter and how nervous we were about winning those grand finals and all of your comments too that you made, the nervousness about winning that grand final and we eventually did it, obviously. It was an amazing time. So Brock McLean, he's here. I'm going to get him on the show. He's got to rush off. He's got kids' duties tonight. So let's see if I can get Brock on now. Brock, where are you? Now you need to explain that one because oh, the fans will be like, "What? That old?" I'm sure. I'm sure most of your fans have had a look at your derriere and they realise how big it is. So, that <laughs> God, that's going back, man. That's going back a while now. It brings that back is, some memories. That is. It's like um, I think 
my memory when I first got to the club, Todd Viney was his name was Fat, and that's what Gary Lyon used to call him, Fat Viney, because yeah. you know he carried a few pounds. Good looking bloke, but he carried a few pounds. I'm not and sure then, too many people would have been able to get away with that though. No, no, Toddy Viney like Fat, very I, few and far between. I, I do now because I know he's old and he can't catch me anymore. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, I I didn't say a damn damn thing. Um, but then I think once he left the club, you boys used to call me, and I do have a sizable butt. And it helped me jump, didn't it? So, uh, but my nickname went from fat ass, fat old to just fat. <laughs> yeah. Well, mate, that was, I mean, yeah, certainly when you talk about helping you jump and get height, like, mate, if you look at my ass, it's tiny, like, absolutely <laughs> tiny. And it explains why I was like really slow. On you know, if grounds. you look at all the good, like the, the really quick sprinters and like the really quick um, uh, racehorse sprinters as well, the biggest yeah. thing is their, is their backside. So, exactly. mate, so oh. I wish I had your bump. Well, you know, at least, like we always used to say, he might be good looking or he might be amazing at this or that, but can he get the pill? And you could yeah. get the pill, my friend. So that's all that really matters. <laughs> <laughs> Back when it was a slow plotter's game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chilgar, I'm so happy to get you on, mate. I know you live a, a very busy life um, at the moment now. Um, don't, don't we all? We've got kids and we've got responsibilities. Back when we played football, there was nothing else to do except chase a footy around the park, mate. Uh, Tell me what... Uh, it was amazing, right? When you were back in the day, when you were a footballer, it was like if, how how busy you thought you were. Like yeah. you had a day off during the week, then you'd have a Sunday off, and you'd train from seven to two. You're playing golf twice a week. Like oh, I'm just I'm just so busy. And then like you, you yeah. come into the real world, you got to work. You got to do your your grocery shopping. You know, oh. outside of you know work hours. And then you know when kids come along. So oh. yeah, mate, working, still having a kid, two young kids, um, Bonnie's. Bonnie will be two and a half this month and Camille will be one on July 24th, mate. So, yeah, we're right in the um, in the trenches at the yeah. moment. So, And yeah. my wife is in Sydney um, this week. So, You're yeah, doing one it out, all. One, one out with your kids, oh, mate. It's good, fun. It's, it's good fun, but, they're, yeah, they're long days. Oh, absolutely. It's worse when – I mean, it's not worse. I'm going to say it's just a little different when they grow up. Now, obviously, I've got uh, teenagers now and they're into everything. So I, I feel sorry for our parents, mate, because – Though my mum and dad had four kids, I know your mum and dad had at least two. Um, yeah. Might have, yeah. So uh, the running around between, so it's basketball, but then straight after basketball to get get you down to footy, uh, and it's three of them, and it's rep, it's domestic, it's at least footy is a little bit sort of in the same area. But one minute we could be in Ballarat with with basketball, and the other ones down uh, South Gippsland. So it's just like, oh my yeah, god. It's a- Domestic, uh, sorry, rep basketball was um, played a little bit when I was a kid, maybe up until under fourteens. Mm. Um, and you know, Friday nights out at you know uh, Safety Beach, and, yeah. and then every long weekend they seem to have a basketball tournament, a tournament. Like, yes, <laughs> in some sort of country town, Bendigo or Geelong or something like that. It's yes. Just like you just you just you're trying to get parents angry, like you're, you're yeah. taking away their long weekends. Yeah, um, I'm sure a lot of them, you know, were, were happy to do for the for the benefit of the yeah. kids' sport. But, but every um, now and then, you just want a long weekend. So, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, they want a holiday, you know, or a day off to themselves. So. But anyway, <laughs> the things you do for your kids, right? That that's it, exactly, mate. Now, let's go back and talk about the football because obviously, big clash uh, tomorrow night, Melbourne taking on Carlton. And, and the reason I got you on the show is obviously you played for both clubs, so you know you know Carlton quite intimately and, and the setup that they've got there. And you've obviously been keeping a close eye on them, but I want to go back a little bit further first and talk it's about your Brock, days at Melbourne. Um, the Brock McLean Cup tomorrow night, mate. Like, it is the Brock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, 
It should be. In fact, I'm, a, I'm ground announcing tomorrow night. I'm going to say that. Well, I'm, I'm going to be there, mate. So I'm happy to be on standby and present a trophy after the game. We can, we can just do a slab of beer or something for the time being. Yeah. And we'll work our way up into a nice big trophy of some sort. 100%. I love it. Let's, let's brainstorm this, okay? This could be a big fixture next year, bigger than King's birthday or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, forget him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, um, you get drafted at the Melbourne Football Club, I know, um, and this is what the people want to want to talk about, um, is your your days at Melbourne, um, you, you came in and had an instant impact with the Melbourne Football Club, jumped into that, that midfield group. You had a couple of issues with, with hamstrings and, and leg injuries along the way. I know at Carlton you certainly had a foot foot thing, but um, you, you were pretty consistent from the early days onwards, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it was one thing that, you know, back when I first started sort of playing in league was if you're fit, I mean, you do really well. Like, mm. and that was something I was always naturally pretty good at. And I was a bit of a sicko in terms of wanting to push my body to the absolute extreme, mm. sometimes to my own detriment as well. And, you know, that's why I suffered, you know, a few soft tissue injuries and a few of the um, bigger injuries because, you know, I used to try and push, yeah. you know, through those those little I niggles. Know. But, I you know, know, just being being fit, and being able to just run games out because, mate, there were, what, 30 or 40 rotations a game, right? So it was a completely different type of game, you know, to, yeah. what, it is, to what it is now. So that, that allowed me to, to come in and, you know, pretty much, um, you know, push for senior selection, you know, early on. It took me a while in my first year. I think it was like round 11 yep. um, against Frio over there. Yep. Um, but I think from then on, from then on, yeah, just just being fit just gave you um, a really good opportunity, um, you know, to be able to push your stake um, or push your claim for selection, you know, week in, week out, and um, you know, just you know, you know, it's like when you're a kid, you dream about playing AFL footy. So I didn't care where I was; it was just, it was just, you know, so much fun to yeah. be able to do, you know, play footy for a living. Oh mate, you, you, I, I will back that up. Brock McLean trained harder than anybody. And played harder at the end of the season as well because there was this good balance. You know, you've got a footy supposed to be fun, but this is the thing, isn't it, mate? So like, you get to an AFL club, and it was just in you to be. And I, I used to watch you train, and there was you bulletproof, mate. You used to go where you know angels feared to tread in terms of hardness at the ball and set the standard on the track. But you also set the standard on in having fun and enjoying your life outside of football too, didn't you? Yeah. Look, I mean. I was very much an all or nothing person, right? So, you know, the, the, um, anything, uh, the saying that comes to mind is anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing. Moderation's for cowards. And that was exactly the way that I approached I love it. Um, training. And it, was, it, was, it was exactly the way I approached um, off the field as well. And obviously that got me into a bit of trouble at times, and particularly post my career with all of my mental health challenges. It wasn't mm. probably the, the greatest thing for me, but yeah, certainly we um, yeah, gave it a nudge at, at, at both ends of the spectrum and, um, you know, what do they say? Burning the candle at both yeah. ends. Now I want yeah. to talk a, a little bit about that, um, the, the mental health stuff as well, a little bit later on. Um, we, we've got to do this quickly because uh, you're, you've got to get, a, get away and look after kids too. I'm very aware of that without the wife being there, but, <laughs> but there's so much we can cover. And I guess, I mean, we, we talk about Melbourne and we talk about Carlton and, and I'm just reading some of the, the comments from the Melbourne people and the confusion in and around that time in 2009 that I was a part of and you were a part of. And I've, I've been vocal about it too, but probably the, the thing with me was I was at the end of my career and we know that. I, you know, it was time for me to go. The game had, like you said, really 
gotten fast and there was this other thing called frontal pressure that Aaron Davey created <laughs> that ruined and me. Behind the, behind the goal's vision as well, I reckon, to rule so many forwards' careers, right? Why are you chasing? Killed me. Killed me. It's like, oh... I mean, let's not go there because it's a, it's an awful story. You know, the meetings I used to have with Dean Bailey in the last couple of years, he was just shaking his head like Neil Baum used to do and go, what do you call that? And I'd be, I'd be sort of smiling going, yeah, it looks pretty bad, doesn't it? <laughs> but, but Melbourne, and look, I, I really want to make a point of this because Melbourne was in a really, really bad place. And from someone that's 31, 32, it kind of sounds like sour grapes when you're getting you know, the lemon and sass, but you're right in the middle of your prime, right? You, 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 you're late, later 20s or mid 20s and you're like, this is the time for me. And the great thing about you is Brock McLean plays to win, plays to get the best out of yourself. I'm, playing, I'm out here to take you with me. And, and I agree with your sentiment at the time is that Melbourne wasn't necessarily playing that way for whatever reason that we don't need to get into and we don't need to name names. But it, it was a, a bit of a an awful year, 08 or 09, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it all sort of started, I reckon, like, I remember coming off 06 and, you know, just remember that final series, that amazing win yeah. against St Kilda yeah, and the then, Saints. you know, four goals up against Frio over there and, you know, should have at least been a preliminary final. Then yeah. the following year was probably round one was probably the start of where everything started to turn yeah. a bit sour. We just had an awful round one. We had a lot of injuries that first three rounds and that just flowed on into 2008 um, and then 2009. So as you said, we don't need to go into the nitty gritty um, mm. of it all. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly as a, as a player, it's, it's challenging. Like it's challenging to go through those moments where, you know, you're going through experiences or you're being asked to do something that just goes against everything that you stand for as a player, um, as a person, and just to tow the company line. I think that it was. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, as I said, don't want to go back on, on too much of it, but you know, it was a challenging time for yeah. everyone, everyone, you know, involved and um, you know, it's, it's in the past now and I'm just glad the club's in a position now oh, where, yeah. Well, they got the monkey off the back of the premiership. You know, that's they're, in a great pl- they're in a great place financially. They've got a really good list. They're well set up off the field, yeah. um, and they're well set up on the field. So it's just you know, it's that, that's the main thing. Well, it is, but let's let's not um, just throw that by the wayside because something had to happen, and something did happen, and something great happened, but something big kind of had to happen to sort of blow the place up a little bit and go, well, this is not how a professional outfit needs to be. And I think if every Melbourne supporter worth their salt, if they wanted their club to be successful, then they needed to know what's going on on the inside. And for me, I think what you were able to do was to be incredibly brave. And I know you and I know the kind of person you are. And it's no no surprise to me that you were able to come out and say, listen, this is what we shouldn't accept. We should not accept this at any elite level. But also, you're a Melbourne person. I know that you're a Melbourne person. And it hurt you to see your football club and the people that you love. Because Brock McLean, once he plays football with you, he's your friend. He's your friend for life. And he'll do absolutely anything for you. And th- there needed to be an agent for change. And I feel like you actually kind of were that person. Because post what you were able to say and, and come out and say, the AFL sort of goes, hang on a second, this is not right. Next thing you know, we've got um, uh, Peter Jackson, Paul Ruse that rolls into Simon Goodwin that rolls into And I'm not saying 
that you you won us the premiership or any one person wins us the premiership, but something happened to ha- had to happen, and you were the one really that sort of put your hand up and said, "Hey, this this is what's going on here." Yeah, look, I mean, I remember the I remember the night. To be honest, I, I wasn't expecting a question like mm. that. If I had have been expecting a question like that, I would have answered it completely different. Mm. Like yeah. I probably would have done the whole political thing, and you know, just just. You know, straight back, you know, just yeah. just batted it away. But because I wasn't expecting it, you yeah. know, it was kind of spot on the spot. Oh, yeah. just, I, I answered it as probably as honestly, which is um, you, like good at the time, yeah. which you know was was certainly, um, you know, was certainly me in a sense. But I mean, it, you know, it just it, it's another uh, uh, bit of evidence that that um, you, uh, culture trumps everything yes i mean and, you know how do you define culture i mean culture is what you do every yeah. single day yeah. you know so as a footy club you know if you're not you're not there to be getting better if you're not there to be winning games if you're not there to be putting yourself in the best position to win games then you're sort of you're not really you know establishing or, or yeah. building um a, a really good culture and, and it doesn't matter how many good players you get in through yeah. um the system the culture is what dictates everything you know at a footy club, at a at a you know at a business, at a work environment, you know your home life, you know whatever. So that was um, you know something that I think a lot of people probably you know learnt at the time. Um, and you know, as we said, you know that that's history now. Yeah, the club's moved on. They're oh, yeah. in a really good position, you know, and I'm I'm really hoping that um, we get to see them on the last day of September at the G, you know, this year because as as great as it was watching them win. Over there, um, two years ago, it was it's you know it was in Perth, right? And you know, for all those poor, long, hard, suffering Melbourne supporters, <laughs> yeah. you know, we saw a, we saw a couple of um, ones that are a little bit stupid in terms of documenting that they went over there. Um, you know, it's like, come on, guys, like you know, go over for the experience. Yeah. You don't need to document it on Instagram or get in yeah. front of the television camera. Put your phone like, away, giving yourself away. But that that sums up sort of today's society, right? Nothing really exists unless you put it on Instagram or, or if, it's, if there's <laughs> it's no true. photo evidence of it, right? So, it's true. Um, so I just hope that this year, um, you know, that they can continue on the, the most of the good form that they started this year. You know, we can all go to the, the G on grand final day and, and watch them win a the flag. That'd be amazing. 100%. And I, I love a lot of what you just said there. And I think that whole idea of culture, and we're all trying to find out what, what actually is good culture. And they, and they turn to people like us that have played elite sports. And sometimes we... We struggle to answer that question because you're trying to find that golden egg. What is it that makes this place successful? What makes Geelong so successful? What makes Richmond so successful through those years? Well, it's culture, but what is that? And I love what you said, that it's what you do every single day, uh, every second of every single day when you're at the club and when you're away. And if you have if you have all those great people at your football club all pulling in that same direction. And you know what? And I will move off this subject now because... We've got more to talk about. But at that time, Melbourne wasn't. And it's well documented. And we all know it. And something happened to ha- had to happen. And yes, we got fined. But you make mistakes. And you learn from your mistakes, don't you? And I think mm-hmm. Melbourne learned from their mistakes. But they needed someone to say, hang on a second. This is not how you do things. And you were one of those guys that stood up and said, do you know what, guys? This is just the way it is. It's, it's, it's not happening down there. And if you want a good culture, this needs to happen. So... I'm proud of you for that, mate. I really am. And the more I've thought about it, I'm so glad you did it because from there we've gone, as you say, from strength to strength to strength and who knows. Next few years, I feel still still feel like we've got a list 
that can win a premiership and push for a premiership, which is where I want to go now, mate, real quick, because you're a, a midfielder. That's where you applied your craft and you know what it takes to be a good midfielder. We've got some guys in there that are guns, probably not firing on all um, pistons at the moment, probably not gelling like they should in there. And I'm sure the Melbourne supporters want to know your thoughts on how do we get that magic back in the middle of the ground? Well, first, you've got to get Clayton Oliver back, don't you? But you, you, you've got to get that magic back. Yeah, it helps Helps having your best players in the park. But I mean, f- footy seasons are long, right? They're extremely yeah. long. Like you're starting training in, you know, in October, mm. you know, in November, generally, you know, sometimes players train their asses off over, yep. you know, the off season too much and they don't give themselves a break. So it's incredibly hard to keep up a, a really high level of performance over over a whole season. There are so many factors, you know, involved. There could be niggles, um, you know, it could be just a hitting a flat spot. But I like from, if I'm putting sort of my devil's advocate sort of hat on, I wouldn't be too concerned about form mm-hmm. this time of year as long as they're hitting their straps at the right yeah. time of the year. So if you look at last year for an example, right? What did they win? You know, um, no, games wise, first, first ten, first ten first, or twelve games. Yep. In a row, something along those lines, yep. absolutely firing. Go out in straight sets. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Cart like we're talking about Melbourne and Carlton. Carlton eight and two after mm. round ten, top mm. of the ladder. Yeah, it's out on finals on percentage, right? So, yeah, um, it's all good and well, you know, being you know, and you have to win enough games to be around the mark um, early on. But as long yeah. as those guys are, are coming into form, you know, at the right time, and you know, as a as a player, I mean. Sometimes things don't click for whatever reason. Sometimes you can't put a finger on it. No one yeah. ever goes out there to you know to deliberately, you know, play bad. You might go through a couple of games as a, as a bit of a as a flat spot. But I think you know the key to it all is just to keep, yeah, um, you know, not forget that you're a, a good player and to not have to try and reinvent the wheel when you've had a couple of bad games in a yeah. row. It's just you know the basic things, the things that you you do well, just keep doing them because the wheels, the wheels, the wheel turns like it's been, it's, yep. it slowly turns or it can quickly turn. Like that's just, 100%. that's just footy, but you just got to keep doing the right things over and over and over again. And we get back to, you know, sort of culture and, you know, training well every day and um, you're putting yourselves in a good position because as I said, yeah, the, the, the form gods can turn pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a tough game and everyone's great and everyone's trying to be at their best all the time. So yeah, you know, the mental capacity of some of these guys, you know, Petrarca, I use him as an example. I think Clary's last two years and what he's been able to put together has been something sensational, um, and and he probably is finding it challenging with the attention that he getting that he's getting. Petrarca always gets attention, but geez, some of the football and some of the things he's doing out there. Not not only is he doing that that extra factor stuff, but he's also getting thirty four possessions and two goals as a midfielder. Um, and you'll be watching Carlton as well, and they've got some elite midfielders in there as well. As a midfielder, do you see Petrarca and go, two goals, 35 possessions, that's not easy to do? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and I mean, and I think sometimes the really good players can be a victim of their own success. So mm. they sit like, when was I watching the Melbourne games? A couple of weeks ago, and someone reeled off that Clary's won four best and Ferris, and he's only, was he 25 or yeah. 26? And I was like, oh, yeah. my God. This oh, no. is like, he's remarkable. Like, it's hard enough to win a best and Ferris, let alone four by the time four. you're in your, your mid-20s. He's probably, you know, just starting to hit the peak of his powers or getting into that real sweet spot yeah. um, of his career. So sometimes you can be, you know, the, the, the victim of your own success. Like, yeah. you set an extremely high bar, you know, you're averaging 35 and a goal or two a game, and then all of a sudden one week you have 30. And it's like, oh, he yeah. hasn't had a really good game. It's like it's still, you know, 
still 30 possessions. He's still finding it 30 times. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, once if you're one of those midfielders who can have a, a really big impact with the ball, but also go forward. Yeah. Um, and hit the scoreboard. Yeah. You work your weight in gold, and I think that's what the modern that modern game requires now. You, you can't just be a one trick, one trick yeah. pony. You can't just be a midfielder. You have to be able to go forward, you know, and hit the scoreboard, or yeah. you know, conversely, play off a half back line like you know Angus Brayshaw's been able to yep. do, and really add another string to his bow um, as well. So yeah, the, the modern day requires you to be able to play in multiple positions because, you know, um, because of the, the, the high amount of rotations, like sometimes you're not going to be able to get to the bench. You're going to have to rest forward or rest yeah. back or you know, yeah. injuries or whatever. So yeah, it's, uh, I'd hate to be a modern day footballer, mate, for all the, um, oh. I think it's more so all the off field stuff that they, they have to put up with in the, the, um, you know, the, the extreme scrutiny um, mm. that are under, you know, more people are reporting on the game. There's, there's, uh, there's a footy show on nearly every night or somewhere even, to, you know, two a night. And it's just, it's dissected and analysed, you know, so much that yeah. there's just really nowhere to hide. And yeah. as you said, as we, as we touched on before, mate, behind the goals vision has yeah. ruined a lot of, <laughs> a lot of careers. careers. Damn that behind the goals vision. <laughs> And as you said before, if, unless it's on the Instagram, it didn't actually happen. That's the world that they live in. Thank God we did not live in that world, my friend. It was uh, it was good times. I, um, <laughs> I reckon if you look at it, uh, the Carlton Football Club, there's a couple of guys in there. If you if you had a shopping list for the Melbourne Football Club, you'd go straight to Carlton and pluck a couple of guys straight away. You'd go Charlie Kernow because we need that big forward at the moment because there is some issues around us finishing off some good hard work up the, uh, up the ground. And then you'd go Paddy Cripps. Um, that tall, he's still, and he's coming under fire at the moment. So I want you to talk a little bit about Carlton now and those guys. What a what a list they have, but they haven't been able to find that form that they've been looking for too. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like the first guy you would pluck from that from that um, from Carlton's list is is Charlie Kernow. Like yeah. he's a generational talent. You know what he's able to do. Um, you know, forward of the ball in terms of in the air when it hits the deck. You know, yep. his ability to to um, to kick for goal as well most of the time. I mean, he's become a little bit predictable in terms of what he does when he marks the ball, sort of wheels around onto his right and then tries to bullet a pass in. And it's probably why you're finding a lot of the opposition backs are able to defend, you know, yeah. that forward kick because he's become a little bit um, predictable. But, you know, they've got all the ingredients there. They've got the list there. I mean, as we saw last year, like they were eight and two at the start of the year, you know, and then, you know, you look at the back end of the season, pushed, I think Collingwood snatched a game from them in the last 30 seconds, one by a point. Melbourne, the week before, snatched yep. the game in the last 15 seconds. Cozzy kicked a goal. So the talents, you know, are actually there. Where, you know, you know, the potentially where they're falling down this year is could be, you know, the mental aspect, you know, yep. of the game. You know, whether they've rested on their laurels or not, I don't know. I mean, yep. you, you can only sort of speculate on that. And I'm, I'm not going to say that, you know, that's what it is. Um, you know, I think opposition put, uh, teams are putting a lot more time into their midfield. And we've mm. seen that with Kripa yep. the last two weeks, like he's had two pretty quiet, pre- two pretty quiet weeks uh, because teams are putting so much time into them. And that's where they generated a lot of their scores from, yeah. you know, last year from stoppages. But I think the way the modern game is sort of evolving as well is, you have to be one of the really good teams from from turnover, right? Not relying on goals from from stoppages. So, yeah. um, I think that's you know potentially. I don't I don't know all the stats, but um, yeah, their midfield seems to have been nullified, you know, mm. quite a bit. And you know, 
uh, on the other side of the coin, that's what might be happening with Melbourne's midfield as well. I mean, I haven't watched a hell of a lot of their games uh, recently. So, yeah. you know, sometimes I, I don't think opposition teams get enough credit for the tactics and the structures that they put in put in place to nullify, um, you know, the, the opposing team's gun players. So I've got no doubt, like I reckon Cripper will come out tomorrow night and actually have a huge game, yeah. you know, because of all the, the stuff that was said about him, you know, yeah. in the week, not staying at the the same hotel as the team, which he's come out and just, you know, told him it's just absolute yeah. um, crap, which is which is good. Um, so I think it'll be a good game. And uh, I'm going to the past players event tomorrow night. Yes. So um, should be an absolute cracker. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Oh, there'll be a lot of past players there. I know they're already on our WhatsApp group, mate. They're pumping up about it. It's going to be a huge game. And it will be, what you say, two great midfielders flexing their muscles and what I'm looking forward to is that, uh, that other end of the ground, the forwards for Carlton taking on our amazing backs because I think that we've got probably one of the better back lines in the league. Um, Maisie and Lever getting the job done, but there's other guys. Trent Rivers hit a bit of bit of form lately. He's, uh, he's doing things better with the football. He usually wins the one-on-one. He's not giving away as many free kicks as he used to, and he's using the ball a little bit better. We know Salo's been running through, and we've got some guys. Angus Brayshaw can go down the halfback flank. I just think that that back line, whew, I wouldn't want to play against them. Yeah, no, that's it's probably one of their, their, their greatest strengths, you know, the Dukes, along with their, their midfield as well. And, and Steve May and Jake Lever seem to play really yeah. um, well together. And, you know, the, the, the modern-day um, defender is not someone who just spoils, you know, they intercept mark. They're a lot more aggressive in terms of their, yeah. uh, their field positioning and their body positioning, and they back themselves, you know, a lot of the time. Even when they're out of position, I think it's great for the game. Yeah. You know, seeing defenders fly for balls and marks and, you know, seeing teams generate a lot of their run you know, off the back line, it's so exciting, like seeing a ball go end-to-end, like yeah. sort of transition footy and not see the opposition get a hand on it. It's like, I think it's one of the best things um, about our game. I think, you know, Melbourne do it um, pretty well. Pretty so well. it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they match up against Charlie and Harry and, yeah. you know, how the delivery is into the Carlton forward line and, you know, whether Harry can get a goal early and um, get over his goal kicking. Yips. Um, yips, which, you know, you'd obviously be a, a much in a much better position to to talk about um, talk about those things uh, because, yeah, I mean, good on him. I saw him this week come out in front of the media, which I think is fantastic, right? It yeah. shows a bit about, you know, um, his character that he's come out and he's just, you know, he's he's copped the questions. He's, mm-hmm. he's got on the front foot in front of the media where, you know, a lot of blokes would probably hide in that situation and, um, but you know, he seems like he's he's owning up to it, and mm. you know, but that's only half the battle. Now he's got to come out and perform. You're paid as a big forward to to perform, and that's one of the un, you know, the unfortunate sides of our game, right? Yeah. If, if you if you get a big money contract, then you're expected to perform, and if you don't, then you know people write about you and people criticise you. And, you know, yeah. it's, whether that's unfair or whether that's a bit harsh, it's irrelevant. That's the, that's the society we live in. You know, mm. that's that's the price of being an AFL footballer. Love it. Love what you say. I mean, for me, when I had the yips kicking for goal, it, it really is just getting back to, like you say, that the wheel slowly turns. Just get out, kick the ball 100 times a goal during training. Through a week. And now I know they put restrictions on how much you train even. Uh, but when someone like him, who is paid to kick goals, I'd be letting him just get out there, go and kick 100, and just understand that if you miss the first goal, you'll get the next one. You'll get the next one. So, you know, it's not about what you just did. About what you're going to do next, you know, it's the next goal that's important, not just then. Yeah, so. and, I mean, you spoke about that. Like, I remember watching you, like, before trainings go out and kick, literally dragging the wheelie yep. bin by yourself and kicking balls, and then going to the end, filling it up again, and, and yeah. going out. And that's that's how you that's how you 
um, perfect technique through yeah. muscle memory, doing something over and over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. one thing that drives me nuts about sort of the modern day thing is this, you know, we've got to wrap guys, you know, in cotton wool to protect their body. Well, if they're not working on their craft, if they're not working on their craft, mm. like how, how can I get that? Okay. I understand from a, um, you know, from a injury protecting of the body yeah. perspective or an injury, but I mean, if the guy's out there and not kicking goals, then he might as well be injured, you know, because he's useless to the team. He's yep. paid as a forward. Yeah, needs to kick needs to kick goals, and I'm not having a go at, at Harry at all. It's it's just you know, yeah, you can only get better through through practicing. You can't sort of you know wish to get better yeah. or hope to get better or you know, um, sit inside saying oh I hope I kick goals this yeah. week. Like confidence comes from doing the same thing over and over, over and over and over and over again and developing yeah. a technique. And yeah. so when it comes to unfit, like comes to game day, you're in that muscle memory, and if and if you're, you're shanking them, then it, it could be more between the the ears. Mm. Um, than a physical perspective but at least if you're out there kicking 200 balls a week at goal yeah. at least you know you're doing everything you've done the work capacity you know to put yourself in a position to kick goals love it i mean for me that's what it was it was like well I, and it wasn't natural for me to to i mean be mentally strong and and execute the skill because i could be from time to time a little bit med- mentally fragile in my early days I, I got a lot better at it um you know i didn't necessarily cope with negative uh, feedback that well but it's something that I had to master and I mastered it by becoming really good at my craft which was to I needed to kick 100 shots every single training session and for me it was just it was that cathartic thing of getting out there I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I miss it in my life now I miss that um, I play guitar a lot and that's probably something that I find you know if I'm doing that I'm actually I feel like I'm getting better and men I feel like need that 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 real need to get better at what you're doing, and it's by doing it that that rule of a hundred, isn't it? Do it a hundred times, and you're improving. And for this guy, I mean, he's such a big lad, isn't he? And it's a long way down to his foot. But you know, it's that mental thing that you talk about, and you're spot on. It's only mental. Michael Jordan famously says, you know, in games, missing a shot, it 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 people put too much into it. You know, you got to understand that if you miss a shot, we all still love you. You know, it didn't really matter that much. What it is is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get into the gym and work on that shot so that next time you give yourself every chance to make that shot. Uh, this is where some. This is something that you've worked really hard on in your post-football life is mental strength and, and you've gone through some well-documented struggles. Just a, a quick touch on all of that and how you're doing now and what you've found in your post-football life that helps you get by because I'm sure we all have our down times. You've had yours. Yeah, I mean, probably the one of the probably the most powerful piece of advice I ever got from someone was my psychiatrist when I first went into the Melbourne clinic, and he said, "I want you to write down your ten things that you're most happiest when you're doing, and these are things that you can do right away that don't cost you any money. These are your natural antidepressants. You know, these are going to be far more effective and powerful than taking a pill or going to a therapy session. This is something that when you're in it, you know, feeling like you're struggling or, you know, you're in a, in a cycle of depression that you can just get up and automatically do, you know. So for me, one was, you know, getting up and playing with my dog. You know, another one was exercise. Another one was hanging out with my mates. Um, uh, you know, putting a funny movie on, you know, going for a swim um, at the beach. So certainly just trying to do things that can snap you out of that 
Um, fuck, it's, look, it's, it's, it's easier said than done because when you are in that, you know, those, those real cycles of depression, you, you, the last thing you want to, you just want to sort of lie there with the doona over your head and just, you know, just completely escape from the world. But, you know, if you can somehow lean into that discomfort and drag yourself, um, you know, out of bed and, 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 and to go and do something like that, like it can make, you know, a real big difference. And an example for me right now was because I think there still is a bit of misconception, right? That, you know, once you, you get to a place of, of happiness and, and healthiness that, or, you know, suddenly you don't have those, those days where you struggle. I still have those days, mm. but I just know how I can effectively manage them now. So an example is, you know, there'll be times where I'm feeling like I'm going into a cycle of depression. The first thing I do is I'll ring a mate and I'll have a chat with a mate for a good 10 or 15 minutes. And I know like a good mate, we talk about, you know, whatever, it doesn't have to be anything serious. And then from there, I get a little bit of hit of the dopamine and I'm like, oh, I might call another mate. And then I ring another mate. And after that, I've made five or six phone calls to some mates. I've reconnected with mates who I might not have spoken to in a month. And all of a sudden, I'm out of that cycle. I'm out of that funk. I'm out of that, you know, those yeah. feelings of, and it can, it changes my mood, you know, instantly. So it's just you go from you know where previously I would have you know when I was feeling like that I would have gone I would have ran and, and drunk or you know tried to numb you know those emotions. Whereas now I can manage them so much more yeah. um, effectively and avoid all that pain that comes you know after trying to avoid or, or numb things, which only makes things you know ten times worse. Yeah. Oh, mate, I love. A lot of things that you've said in this uh, little chat together, I love that. I think the best thing that you've said is lean into your sadness. And it doesn't have to be sadness. It could be anything. Lean into your uh, problems. Lean into the things that you aren't good at. Lean into them. Accept them. Understand that they're there. And, 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 and you know, you've got some ways and means to work through those things with some help. Ask people for that sort of help. But the first thing you have to do is understand that that, that issue is there. Lean into it. Embrace it and then work through the problem. I think you're doing an amazing job, mate. You speak so well. I wish I could talk to you for, for another hour, mate, but I know we're on time restrictions here, and we've got a game to get to tomorrow night to enjoy. Mate, I'm going to jump up that room and have a beer with you. How does that sound? Yeah, perfect, mate. I'd love that. It'd be great to catch up again, pal. What is the Brock McLean Cup? The Brock, Brock McLean, McLean Cup. Cup, mate. Be there or be square. <laughs> sell out already. I think they're all rushing to the Ticketmaster now. Get your tickets. <laughs> Chooker McLean, love speaking to you, brother. Go well. I'll be seeing you soon, of course. Um, thanks for your time, brother. Thanks, Fathole Robertson. Good to speak to you, mate. <laughs> See you, man. See you, mate. Take it Bye. easy. Bye. You know, I'm going to go over here and get myself a whiskey. <laughs> nice, mate. Enjoy. Um, no, mate, that was absolutely sensational. So much yep. in that was was brilliant. That's all I really want, mate. So yep. thank you. Perfect, mate. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, mate. Really enjoy it. We'll see you. See you, well, see, you see you tomorrow, mate. Bye. Bye, brother. Oh, no, actually, <sighs> Listen. I know that there's a there was a school of thought during the week. Uh, love all the comments, guys. Uh, during the week, when I um, solicited that we were going to be interviewing Brock, um, that that as Josh says, there Brock sold the club out, bro. And and look, okay, there's there is that school of thought um, with with Brock, um, but I think we all need to move on from that and understand what the effect was, just as we were speaking about there, there was a whole lot that Brock just said. 
that I just absolutely loved. And I know him as a as a person and his family and where he came from. And obviously when you're playing AFL football, you're living in the pockets of the guys that you're with, the 40-odd guys that you're with, right? And you know them intimately. And I know Brock and he knows me. And I, I wasn't surprised by what he said because it was going on. Um, Josh, it was going on. It happened. We know what we did. And people have, whether they were rightly or wrongly uh, accused and, and found guilty, uh, moved on. I'm not in here to, to point fingers and, and um, witch hunt or do anything like that. But we know in 2009, there were some things happening at our club that weren't right. And they did not create a culture. And, and you can disagree with me, Josh. You weren't there. I was there. I was within that club and I know what was going on. And since Brock spoke up, when he spoke up, things changed. Things happened. Things all of a sudden started to happen. And yeah, maybe it happened at other clubs, but, you know, okay, all right. But how have they gone since then? All right, maybe it did. I don't care about other clubs. I only care about the Melbourne Football Club and what happened for us. And yeah, all right, you might feel like, you know, you, you want to blame him. But what did he really do? He pointed light on to um, poor uh sportsman and culture poor sportsman like and and the culture was bad and nothing was going to change while people were still there thinking that's the way it's supposed to be done and we can fix this because it wasn't getting fixed and there was a lot of us guys and i'm talking about the uzays and the mcdonald's and the whites and the leoncellis and these sorts of guys that were moved on really really quickly and they could have been there to really help create that culture whether we were um past our prime that's that's fine i can I can accept that we, we were done. But other clubs tend to, to look after their older people and leave them on for a little bit longer. And, and we're able to... Now, Liam Jara came into our club, Josh. He, he came into our club. And, and he was going to be the next full forward uh, for our premiership team. And I really believe if everything would have been okay for, for Liam Jara back home and we know what troubles he had there and we can't even begin to understand, uh, you know, he could have been an amazing full forward. He could have kicked five goals every single week. The man could just kick goals. But he didn't need the pressure of the best backman every single week. He didn't need that. He needed uh, a little bit of protection. And us older guys could have been that for him. But unfortunately, um, we weren't given that opportunity. We moved on. Um, We thought at the football club that it was all about getting picks. Get the picks, get the picks, get the picks as soon as we possibly can. Now, Okay, that's a school of thought that it might have, might have worked too. You know, this was just before GWS and Gold Coast came in. So, okay, we've got to get as many young kids as we possibly can. Tom Scully, you know, Trent Gove, these guys, um, they're going to save us. And Liam Jarrah is going to save us. And we know that that didn't work out. Playing to lose didn't work out, you know. It just didn't work out. And Brock called it Brock called it and said, you know what, this is what's happened. And I don't believe it. Um Good on you, Josh. I really appreciate that feedback, mate. And and it does feel like at the time when it happened, mate, that, that yeah, okay, this guy's talking about our club and he's hurting us. You know, we're getting fined or whatever. But do you know what he ultimately did? He enacted change. And, and it had to happen that way. It had to happen brutally. And change did occur at our football club. We decided, that, and we didn't decide, the AFL decided to send somebody in and whether that was us or whether it was the AFL, again, we can argue about that, but we got Peter Jackson who rolls into Paul Ruse and the work that Peter Jackson did to get Paul Ruse. Oh my God, talk about strategy. 
I know the stories of how he got Rusey out of Sydney and down into Melbourne and coaching this. It was unbelievable, and, and I'd love to tell you that story sometime. Um, you know, almost had these young players like Jonesy um, almost crying about, you know, how hard it has been here. Please come and else help us. And, and Jacko, with profiling and knowing Rusey, knew that Rusey would hear these young men almost, you know, almost dying, just wanting to get better and wanting someone to come and fix this club and help us. Someone of clout and someone who's proven, someone who's won premierships. And Rusey walked out of the meeting and rang Jacko and said, right, I, I, I can't say no, I have to come. I have to help these young men. And they we got Rusey. And Rusey says, well, maybe I'm not your premiership coach next, but we need to get some good people in. Along with Jacko, they go and get Simon Goodwin. And not just Simon Goodwin, but all those assistant coaches as well. You know, and they come and we get better. And the board, um, we, we have a new board. Some people stay, but most of them leave. And we get these guys that, are, that create a new sort of culture. The culture changes. And then we finally break the drought. Now, it's, is it Brock McLean's, um, you know, is, is it because of him? You know, it's, it's a long bow to, to, you know, it's a, it's, it's a long stretch. Uh, to say that it's all because of Brock McLean, but things like that need needed to happen to our football club. And I tell you, I think it's worth it to uh, pick up that Premiership Cup when it came back to Melbourne and we came out of lockdown. Eh? Um, some amazing stuff that I, I know about this Melbourne Football Club that a lot of you probably don't, you've probably heard whispers about. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, Peter Jackson said, football clubs are two things, two things only. And we can... We can get all about podcasts like this from past players and the media on Fox footy and uh, whatever we see on the news and all these shows. We can buy into all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, football clubs are two things. It's players out on the field trying to win the game for you and it's supporters. Now, that's why you saw the passion from me in the <laughs> intro. You know, this 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 premiership is for our supporters because, wow, some of the stuff that we went through and when I was a player, what you went through and before my time when we almost made it through the night, early 90s and 88 and then and those years against them, tremendous clubs, you know, West Coast, we could have beaten those clubs, but we just were always just not quite, you know, Jimmy Stein's running through the mark. That's the whole story of the Melbourne Football Club. It's been hard and it got really good, but we had to go to the absolute depths of low to get there. And I only wish that we've gone through that a little bit earlier so that I might have been able to to uh, be a part of a premiership team. 98, yeah, Josh, was a great year. Great year. Neil Danaher came on the scene. I remember my first meeting with Neil Danaher. He uh, was at the Junction Oval. Uh, I'd come in, this is before pre-season had actually started, I came into the club for whatever reason to do some training and, and Neil Danaher goes, come for a run, come for a run with me, Rob, eh? I was like, okay, no worries, Mr. New Coach, Neil Danaher, who I might add Paul Hopgood called Terry Danaher just a mere few hours before. Not a great start, Hoppy. Didn't last long after that, mate. <laughs> but then I go for a run around Albert Park Lake with Neil Danaher and every now and then he'd say I want you to run as hard as you can for five minutes and come back to me and I did and apparently I impressed him um, with my um, of just doing everything that he said but he didn't need to be impressed because Neil Danaher is one of those people when he says when he says do something you just do it and you just want to do it and that's uh, 
that's the true measure of, of, of a coach sometimes. And Okay, so that's enough of that because I really like Brock McLean. I think he's a great man and has gone through some real tough times. I really liked some of the messages in what he said, especially about the, well, not especially, but about the depression stuff. Lean into your pain, lean into your sadness, understand it, work on it. You know, that's what our players need to do tomorrow night. Lean into this little form, tiny little form slump that we have, a couple of games lost that we probably should have won, had our chances to win. Lean into it. Understand it. Yep, okay, it happened. You're not going to win every single game. You don't have to win every single game. But like Brock said, you need to be firing at the pointy end of the season, and we can get to that. We can find form all year and move towards going through September, and we'll be there. We as supporters will be there. Now, Davo is not here uh, sadly, he is uh, away for a couple of weeks. I think he might be back next week, but poor old man's in New York. Loves Boston. Boston Celtics is his team. Game seven, Miami Heat. You would have thought at home in the garden they would have won. I think he nearly got tickets to go and watch. They are very expensive, and uh, we're going to get stuck into Davo when he gets back because, my God, he loves Boston, and they lost, didn't they? That's all right. Dallas Mavericks didn't even make it. That's my team. <laughs> hey, thank you, Sylvia, for that feedback. Thanks for the ins- insight. Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff. I would have loved to have talked to Brock about Cole Sylvia. Very close with Cole. Uh, uh, but maybe for another time. We might even get Brent Maloney on because Brent Maloney was uh, very best mates with Cole Sylvia. Uh, may he rest in peace and never be forgotten. Um, that's been the show. Robbo Live for another week. We will be back next week. I don't even know who we play next week, but, geez, we're fast careering towards King's birthday at the MCJ. I've already started to to uh, prepare. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be at Fed Square again before the game for the walk to the G, that iconic thing that has started, what, 10 years ago with Neil, and we walk, walk, yeah, the pies, thank you, yeah, big game, big game, huge game, we need to make some noise for our boys, we know what the pies supporters will do, guys, let's get to the MCG, if you've got tickets, good on you, I'm pretty sure it's a sellout, we'll make as much noise as we possibly can, we'll walk to the G together from Fed Square, and get ready to sit down and enjoy the slide, I'm not sure if we know who's sliding into the, uh, it's not sold out, it's not sold on our defence. It's a bit off. Goals from stoppages in back 50 have cost us a couple of games. The teams, I love the comments, guys. Love them. They flick through so fast and I get a little distracted. But uh, it's our home game, Joshy. It is. Thank you, Jackie. On you, bro. Yep. Love it. Love the, love the chat. See you next week for Robo Live. Bye, guys. Bye. Right 
It's coming home. It's coming home, Ben. Hey Miller, the curse is finally over. The curse is finally over. Remember guys, we wrote the rules of the game. We wrote the rules back in, what was it, 150 years ago. We wrote the rules. This win is largely due to the support of you guys. Hey guys, we're back again. Russell Robertson live. Oh! Oh!